Hello everyone and welcome to PA Study Sesh. I'm your host McKenna Morgan and this week we'll be going back to the basics and discussing how I interpret an EKG. Alright everybody, welcome to another week in cardio. This week's going to be a little bit different in that we're going to be doing what I call a back to basics episode and I'm going to be talking about how I interpret an EKG. So this episode is going to be a little bit more applicable to those who are beginning their PA school journey or are maybe on rotations and back in that internal medicine rotation or maybe on ER and just need a little bit of a refresher. Um, I'm doing this for a couple reasons. One, because I promised in episode one that I would do an episode on EKGs. And two, I go through an EKG a little bit differently than I was taught in school in terms of the order of interpreting an EKG. And I wanted to share it with you guys because I personally think it makes a little more sense. And then I don't miss anything. So for starters, I'm hoping you guys aren't too disappointed I had recorded this with all of the criteria in terms of what defines a box on an EKG and how wide a QRS complex should be and how to determine left versus right ventricular hypertrophy. And frankly, I hated it. It was a lot of numbers and it was very wordy and... I think in terms of an audio format, it just was very dull and annoying. Thought number two regarding that is really the only time you need to have those memorized is when you're in PA school. And I hate to break that to those of you who are in PA school because you're like, yeah, that's me right now because I don't get a note sheet in my test. Um, but for those of you on rotations or those of you who are new grads, you can have a little note sheet that has all these values on them. I personally crammed them in my brain right before a test and stared at this sheet of paper to get them in my brain and spent more time finding mnemonics and really learning other material that I thought was more important, such as the drug required to treat said heart block or a side effect of that medication. A um, lot more relevant information to actually being APA, which I know is kind of hard to cope with, but um, in the scheme of things, the grade in your EKG class is far less important than what keeps your patient alive. So, um, that's my thought there. Sorry, not sorry. However, I'm not going to leave you guys hanging. For those of you who would like that resource, I have show notes and they are incredibly thorough. It has everything you could possibly want about interpreting an EKG. It has all of the values. It has all of the criteria. It has what things we're looking for when we're evaluating a P wave. It has what I'm looking for when I'm looking at a QRS complex, for example. Um, it has the definitions of different pacemaker failures, etc. 
Those are all on the website, tastudysesh.blueberry with no ease.net. So those are all there. I just didn't feel like speaking them really made sense. Um, in terms of electrolyte disorders, we'll talk about those with renal, I believe, is where it will come up with. So those will come up again later. So we'll have more details there, but they are in the show notes here as well. Okay? So sorry that I'm not speaking them, but all of the criteria is there for those of you who want it all in one spot. Okay? Now, for those of you who are taking boards really soon, um, I'm going to say I maybe had a couple questions. I, I'm not even going to say a couple. I don't recall if I had a straight-up question that was like, what's the proper length of a PR interval? Maybe I did. Maybe it was a end-of-rotation exam question. I frankly don't remember. But again, that's a one really kind of low-value question. I think there are things more worth spending your time on. I think it takes a lot of time to memorize numbers. And if you were to spend the same amount of time on studying a calcium channel blocker, for example, I think your time would be a lot better spent studying that drug, which I will say that over and over again. So hopefully that kind of clicks with you guys. I know that's a, a different point of view than just where we get so caught up in just learning, learning it all. And frankly, you guys will learn it all, um, especially if you guys practice with this. And even you'll be amazed in if you do a bunch of rotations, you're gonna get these. You're gonna get these down. Um, it's just what can you? What's important to get down first? And that's what this podcast is about: is what do you get down first for boards, and then you will become masters of things later. So, all right. Um, let me get off my little soapbox there. Um, another note for soon-to-be board takers. I will also post my EKG cheat sheet. This is, I'm not kidding, was the front and back of my binder. It is the only thing I ever studied for EKGs in PA school. That's it. Uh, some of it was a little bit overkill, but it's, it's literally just two pages, and it's the only thing I ever, ever looked at. I think it's the most valuable. It has a lot of the stuff on conduction disorders. So I will post that for you guys as well. I think what is in the show notes is a little bit overkill for those uh, studying boards. So both of those resources for you guys on my website, pastudysesh.blueberry.net. Okay. So um, now that I've spent seven minutes just blabbing, I promised I wouldn't do that. I'm sorry. Um, let's get on with the point of this episode. So what I really just kind of want to drill home here is when we're learning something new, I think one of the best ways to do this is to, is to get it down in a system. And same thing for when we're doing a physical exam, even just one part, maybe it's your ortho physical exam, create a system. And when you're new at it, just do it the same way every time. It doesn't matter if the patient's only complaining of elbow pain. Do the entire musculoskeletal exam. You're a student. You've got time. By the time you're practicing PA, you won't need to do the entire thing. 
because you'll have it down and you'll know every single step. But so um, this is what I think. And when you're interpreting an EKG, start with everything. And then you'll get good at finding what you need based off of the patient's symptoms. So here's how I go about interpreting an EKG. Number one, I kind of start with the big picture. And that's, of course, the rate. Are they tachycardic? Are they bradycardic? Or is their rate normal? Um, again, I like to just know, I see whether I'm looking at a six second strip or a 10 second strip, usually it's a six, and multiply accordingly. Um, that can be used for regular and irregular rhythm, so it's pretty fail safe. Um, but you can also see the, um, 300, 175 between the RR intervals. But you have to be regular, and then it's more numbers to cram in my head, so I just didn't really care for it. Um, also, a little note here, tachycardia, regardless of what kind of rhythm it is, and I know I haven't talked about rhythm, tachycardia is always tachycardia. So if you see that they have 100 beats of rhythm, you can automatically write on the EKG strip, tachycardia. Boom. Okay, so I start with the rate. I know some people are taught to start with the rhythm. I like to start with the rate. It tells me a lot, and it tells me a lot about the patient's status too. So I start with the rate. Next step is kind of the broad, continuing with the broad theme, is the rhythm. And the rhythm here is the pattern of the beat. The rate is the speed, the rhythm is the pattern and the normal pattern should be atria junctional ventricles, AJV. That should be our notes, AJV, AJV. First way to do this is to march our little caliper from R wave to R wave. We should be able to do this without changing the size or the distance of our caliper. Next, do we even have P waves? We're assessing here if we have a junctional or ventricular rhythm. Again, all these reasonings are in the show notes, so I won't say all of them. Then, if we do have P waves, does every P have a QRS? So always go in a nice order. Lots of different causes if we don't. All right, so you've taken notes on that. Say, yes, we have P waves. Yes, every P has a QRS. That sounds normal. If you don't, you need to determine if it's regular or irregularly irregular. And what I mean by that is, is it every third beat? Is it maybe, oh, this, this one beat's wrong? Or is it just, and there seems to be no rhyme or reason. Now, remember, irregularly irregular goes with AFib. Okay, so we looked at the big picture. From here, I'm just gonna start working from left to right like a book. So that means we start with the P wave. I wanna know if it's too wide or if it's too tall. And that's it. The PR interval can be too long or too short. And it can also change from beat to beat. Those are the big things we want to look at there. Next up is our QRS complex. 
This one has kind of a lot of subcategories, but first we want to see if it's wide. And then we want to see if it's, for lack of a better term, too tall, kind of like our peak base. Here we're basically assess uh, assessing ventricular hypertrophy. There's a lot of criteria for that, like I said, in the show notes. While we're looking at the height of the QRS complex, I'm going to use this as my trigger to determine the axis because here I want to look at the R wave. And that's what we do when we're determining the axis. We're looking at different leads for all of this, but that's okay. I'm still thinking R wave. These are the things that get looked at when I'm looking at the QRS complex. I want to assess ventricular hypertrophy and I want to look at the axis. Then just moving on over, do we have Q waves? They're usually pathological, as we discussed in our MI episode. Okay, we're just moving right along to T waves. Um, we can have ST depressions or elevations, as we discussed in our MI episode. And we can also have peaked or flattened T waves, um, which we'll discuss with our electrolyte disorders, which I believe will be in our renal episode. And then here, we'll also have the QT interval. This again can be long or short. And this is generally affected by drugs or electrolytes. So we'll talk about more of those when we get to them. So again, that's just the system I use. I look at our two big pictures, which are rate and rhythm. And then I work my way from left to right. And that's really it. One final note. I think this system is phenomenal for those of you who are getting used to and learning how to interpret an EKG. For those of you who are taking your boards, I do not recommend you spend any time looking for ventricular hypertrophy, or anything like that unless the question is asking for it. I think it's okay for those of you taking boards, let me repeat that, for those of you taking boards, jump to what's obvious. Honestly, a lot of my board questions were only one lead and it literally looked like torsades or it looked like a, a second degree heart block. But if I have multiple leads, Generally jump to what's obvious unless the question is asking you specifically, does this patient have, you know, left ventricular hypertrophy? I don't even think I had a question like that. Um, not that it isn't possible, but um, boards, you're on a time crunch, jump to what's obvious. Those of you in practice and on your exams, go through it systematically. Highly recommend that. Okay. Now, also, I will note for boards, sometimes you don't even need the EKG strip. You can get it from the question stack. All right. That episode was super duper brief. Uh, but like I said, all the values and all of that just were so complicated. And it just, it made me want to crawl in a hole and cry to hear all those numbers. So I'm going to let you read them because I think it's more of a visual thing. So... Um, hopefully that made sense for you guys, and I'm curious to see if you guys liked 
uh, kind of those back to basics, a little bit of episodes. I know we have a kind of a mix of listeners who are taking their boards soon and some who are nowhere even near it, some who aren't even in PA school yet. So I'm just going to be kind of useful and kind of give my two cents because I know my school teaches how to interpret an EKG in a very different order and I didn't particularly care for it because I always forgot axis or something like that or forgot to look for Q-waves. So as always, I hope that makes sense. If it didn't, if you didn't like it, if you did like it, send me an email. My email is pastudysesh at gmail.com. You can head on over to my website, pastudysesh.blueberry.net, and that's blueberry with no E's, for some very thorough show notes with everything you could want about EKGs, as well as my simplified EKG cheat sheet, which is the only thing I think you should study for boards for regarding EKGs. Um, it'll also have links to all of our former episodes, the blueprint, and um, you can also check us out on Facebook. We're at PA Study Sessions there. It would do me a huge favor. Share us with your friends. Shout us out on social media. Subscribe to us. Rate us on iTunes, Google Podcasts. Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast, I would really appreciate your um, subscriptions and reviews. That really helps me grow as a podcast. And next week, we're going to continue on with our traditional episodes. We're going to go into hypertension and hyperlipidemia. And I am really excited to uh, simplify hypertension for you. So anyway, enjoy your guys' week. I will be returning from Idaho to give you guys some more cardio information. All right, enjoy.